On today's episode, I'm going to talk about the Little Red Riding Hood murder, and Drew is going to speak about Mark Winger. You're listening to Bad in the Boondocks, baby. Welcome to Bad in the Boondocks. As always, I am one of your hosts, Stan. And I'm Drew. How's it going, everybody? It's going pretty good in this quarantine world. And you know, yeah, it's the weather's getting warmer outside. Well, guess what? And Our curtain fell. Yeah. His, <laughs> the tape fell. The duct tape did not work good. You have to use Damn. Gorilla Tape. Yeah, I know. You have to use Gorilla Tape. Duct tape is shit. But my um, power sprayer is still working in the bathtub. Yeah. But now that the weather's getting warmer, you're quarantined. Either allergies or the coronavirus. I don't know which. You're quarantined with your family, bored. We promised last time we said that we were going to talk about our adventure into making a super duper fun water slide. Slippery Slopes. Slippery Slopes is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And I'll just tell you the materials that you need first. You need to go to Lowe's. You can't go to the Dollar General for this. Hell no. You, you need to go to Lowe's. And you've got, yeah, you've got to get some thick you have plastic sheeting mm-hmm. and a roll. Okay? And yes, it's a little bit expensive, but you're going to save money on all those, all the cheap little slip and slides that you'd have to attach together because you can make this 100 foot, exactly. whatever you want. 100 freaking foot. All that you need is a slope. A little slope. And if you don't have one, you do like we did. Make one. You make one. You get a front end loader. <laughs> and you just scrape very easily going downhill, Okay. You just keep going. True. Either your husband or wife is going to fuss at you whenever they get home. No shit. (laughs) But the kids will love it. Well, let me tell you something. We did it. Okay, we started out in like midday. You remember that? Very hot midday. Very hot, okay. We started out. We started dig, dig, dig. No, I... Yeah, I know. Well, why in the hell did we decide to go out at nighttime and do it again? Because I said it was cooler, and I wanted oh it done for the next I day. That. So yeah, I hopped on, turned on the friggin' lights, and we were out there till twelve a freaking clock at, in the morning, and just scraping away. Well, our finished product, first off, looked complete utter crap, and but it did the job. And then we had a little splashy kitty boy at the very end. We had a mud bog. Yep. We well, had a freaking mud needless bog. Needless to say, we did put some plastic down, not the kind that you buy at Lowe's, the good kind, but we did put some type down. I can't remember what we put down. But whenever we went to go over it, there were so many freaking bumps, it just, you know, it gave you some bruises, didn't it? 
Yeah, it was a little. It was a little. Once you get to the harder, it was it, okay. It was like a cheap ass roller coaster ride. Yes, but if was. you use a good float, that was a little you bit blow better. up a float. That was better, and you slide on that bitch. That was fun. But I'm telling you, that mud bog at the end is like who can get through the mud bog. Guess who could? <laughs> Daddy could. Daddy could. Yeah, but it's also good because we. But have... it also leaned. We didn't have it exactly even, so it leaned to Nothing the right. Was even. So Nothing you remember was. we kept sliding off of it. I don't know why in the world we tried to do it in our yard. Anyway. The remnants from it lasted about four years afterwards. <laughs> now it's finally grass. It's finally almost it's grass, grown. It's still a, it's still, it's a slope. still a little bit of a slope there. Because I didn't feel that bitch in. No, sir. Who the hell's gonna feel that in? They Not was me. Like, oh, you need to feel that in. And Not me. Put grass on top. I'm like, bitch. I'm like, I live down a dirt road with just family members. You ought not be riding down this dirt road and looking <laughs> in my yard. No. But I don't know why we. I mean, many, many times we put it in um, our neighbor, my aunt, his sister, um, his yard. Cause yes, the, it's a, it's, it's already a, a hill. Yeah, it's got a but steep but very slope. hard ground. It's clay. Oh my god, it's fair. Yeah, but that time that we bought that, um, it's almost like it's not plastic. It's oh, almost yeah. like rubber. Almost, but Almost, not quite. But it's kind of like a plasticky rubber yeah, type it's, of material. It's the good thick plastic. Oh, yeah. It's what you use for roof. roofs. Roofs, yes. Yeah. And you put that bit down. Now, I will tell you this. About 100 foot. That's a long way. I will tell you this. Speaking of rubber. Now, you can use that for a multitude of things. I have Always my girls. Protection. I, I have my girls a homemade dance floor. Out in our shed with foam bottoming and a rubber roof on oh, top, okay? Is that how we did that? We put yes. foam up underneath? Yes, it's foam up underneath. That's why it's so... Yeah, it's springy. Yep, just well, like a real dance floor. Well, we wrestled yesterday. Yes, and I think oh, my knee is injured from it. We wrestled yesterday because he but said he wanted to wrestle. if so. you want to do a little spur of the moment thing and maybe... Get frisky with your wife or your loved one up underneath the bridge. You can carry some of that rubber <laughs> roof and place it on the ground, and you have a nice, softer surface. Oh, my God. Do you remember that time that we went in, like, I don't Why do we do these things? We go at, like, 10 o'clock. We start out. We go up under the bridge. And well, because we, we were fishing. We start a freaking fire, okay? I told you to keep it very small, though. Yeah, well, I didn't hear you that. Well, anyway, I I had to go back to the house. It was only like a quarter of a mile from our house. So I went back to the house, came back, and it looked like the entire village was on fire. The village? You mean like all the woods, the swamp, the village, the bridge? The village, yes. Yes. The village. Because up underneath it, it wasn't... Okay, it was a big fire. It was bright. It All you saw pretty. was glowing and I just smoke saw, everywhere. Everywhere. But I didn't another know that. thing that can be dangerous is we also go fishing sometimes on that bridge. Mm-hmm. And I, we call it a bridge, but it's over oh, a little creek. It's over and that's a creek for the city folk. It can flood the whole entire area once it rains real hard. Yes, it can, but our road can flood if it rains a little bit. So there you that's go. That's true. And they make However, it. those little... Coleman are and um those little portable heaters that you hooked a little propane tank up to, okay? They're dangerous. Dangerous. I know they is. Because I'll, we had two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, we tried to do 360 or at least 180 
heat for us so that you don't freak whenever it's 30 degrees we be cold and so we're on there with our heaters well all of a sudden we hear and we look and the fire is coming out the side of it well it's right by our gas tank to the truck so what does drew do blocks my way from escaping i was at the back i was gone i ain't staying close but i'm gonna tell you what you do you grab that heater well, and no, throw you, it in the creek. You did back up at first, but then you were kind of like, yes, I it was told you, explode. do not get near it. Just let it blow up. That's what I said. I grabbed it and threw it overboard. Threw it into the creek. And it Glad said, that you did because the whole truck would have been blown and up. And it said, And I'm pretty sure we weren't but a few feet away from the truck. I'm pretty sure we would have gotten blown yeah, up Yeah, we too. were right at the truck because that blocked the wind. That's why we had it like on yeah. at the truck. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two new things that you can do in the country that you can't do in the city. <laughs> now next time we do have some another thing to tell you, but I'm not gonna spoil it. It has something to do with a river. With a oh yes, that was a and bad that's experience. It. That's all that I'm gonna tell you. Okay, now are you set? And it's a real river. I mean, a real, a real river. You know the Savannah River, but a muddy high, river. Well, everybody high, don't know the Savannah River. At high tide, it's always high tide. Hell yeah! The that's big gators da- everywhere. That's a dangerous river. There, are, remember we shine the flashlight and you see like a hundred little God. eyes staring at you. They're everywhere. And you're like, I'm gonna catch this gator with a fishing pole. I'm, I'm like, sure. and you know, I always am like, <laughs> but you're really not. You're not going to catch the gator. But, but I'll I let you, and it. I encourage you because that's what fathers do to their sons. You don't want to tell them, hey, no, you're a freaking loser. Son, you're not going to catch the gator with fishing pole. But I hooked it. You incur- No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. It just unhooked. Man, you didn't. Okay, well, enough being said about that. Are you ready to get into your story? I thought well, I was going to let you do a double, double first. I guess what? Not. Oh my God! So now he's saying that he wants me to go first. What is it? Okay. You well, need, you mine is first. not okay, and everybody's gonna be surprised this time. But you know what? Sometimes I searched and searched and searched this week, but with this whole pandemic and stuff, I was not able to find my normal, just super duper gruesome stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not that big of a story, you know? Anyway, it's it's considered the Little Red Riding Hood murder. <laughs> and I, I don't mean to shame the victim. I really don't. Because that is nothing I would ever do. Don't tell me the picture. It's not cute. To me. <laughs> no. To Let me. Let me see it. That's not that bad. That's someone that you take to the prom because you feel bad for so like you know you you know like the popular guy she's she's a cute girl she's a cute little girl yeah (laughs) shut up and her name was muriel muriel joan drinkwater Mm. was the youngest daughter of four i had the corniest dad joke there but i'm not gonna say it that's fine dads are cool as hell go ahead Okay. I'm like, no. Uh, well, I was just going to say, well, then she shouldn't be dehydrated then. <laughs> That's not even a dad joke. I don't know <laughs> whose who's dad would tell that joke. I wouldn't tell that joke. 
I wouldn't even call it a joke, really. Like one of the loser kind of dads that kind of just waits for the moment just to tell. So are you saying I'm not a loser dad? Is that what you're saying? I'm. I guess. Oh. Okay. Go ahead. Keep going. Let's continue. Okay. Muriel Joan Drinkwater was the youngest daughter of four born to Margaret and John Percival Drinkwater, a small holder and forestry worker in Swansea, Wales. And not inside of a whale. There are so many damn It's Swansea's. not inside of a whale, though. This is the the city or whatever you call it. Yeah, from, I know Wales. Okay. I didn't know I, if you knew or not. I was saying there's a lot of Swansea's. Well, there's two that we know of. There's also a lot of whales. There are a lot of whales. Humpback whales, yeah. killer whales. Berfusia. That That's a big whale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you know what I mean. My ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know what kind she was, but she was a hell of a whale. This woman who always flirts with me at OC Tech. Anyway. <laughs> The 12-year-old attended Gowerton County School and hoped to become a teacher one day, and she does look like she'd be a good teacher. Yeah, you know, just that. Oh, my gosh, but at 420... I'll just let that sink in for a second. Let's blaze up, mofos. (laughs) At 420 on June 27th, 1946, Muriel was dropped off at the gate of Tildew Farm, where she lived. She had been singing on the bus with her schoolmates and continued to do so as she walked down the path to her house. The mile-long trail wove in and out of the woods. So you get it, she's kind of like Little Red Riding Hood going in and out of the woods. Yeah. Hubert Hoyles, a 13-year-old local boy, traveled that same path every week to buy eggs from Muriel's mother, Margaret. He had just left the house when Margaret went inside to make some tea. Would you like a spot of tea? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just keep going. We will ignore it like it never happened. Would you like a spot of tea? I just said that we would ignore it. I think that's more well-like. Would Would you like a spot of tea? Wait, let me try yeah, because they sound more... Yeah, they're more brass. Would you like a spot wait, wait. of tea? Would you, would you like a spot of tea? Well, yasome, I would. I'm from Wales. Uh, no, just because you do your eyes, scrunch does You had I'm no... From, I can't... I you can't didn't have do, an accent. You just did this. Do. You said, I'm from Wales. <laughs> Well, I can't do a British accent. The only thing that I can do is Australian. Right, but but that was we were spot on on Wales. We don't even have any listener from Wales, I don't think. <laughs> How are you? That's that how you is, speak Wales. That is spot on. I learned that from Dory. I did too. As did everyone else, I think. <laughs> I would hope so. As she filled the teapot, With water, she looked outside the kitchen window and saw her daughter through a gap in the trees, about 400 yards away. She watched as Muriel dipped into the heavily wooded area. As usual, Hoyles and Muriel ran into each other and exchanged pleasantries. How are you today? 
I'm doing very good there. You are Muriel. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good there. Well, I don't, I don't know who this hand. Margaret was not worried when her daughter was taking forever to arrive home. She assumed the girl had just gone off to play. Hours later, however, John Percival and most of the men in the village were searching the woods for Muriel. I wonder what they do to go. Do you ever look, have you ever seen you know Little Britain? He's like, I'm the only gay in the village. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I then. have. Yeah, it's funny. I definitely have. At 4:30 p.m. the next day, Muriel's body was found in a Japanese lark plantation about a quarter of a mile away from her home. Muriel had been bludgeoned, viciously raped, and callously shot twice in the chest. Mm. The murder weapon was found in a nearby undergrowth. It was a World War One era Colt 45. The weapon was most likely also used in World War Two. So when does the wolf come in? There is no wolf. Don't try to kill it, okay? <laughs> a similar weapon had been used in the murder of a cinema manager in Bristol. Numerous American servicemen were stationed in Pelangare, Swansea, during the war, and authorities theorized that one of them had sold the gun. As a result, it is believed that someone in the area had information that could lead to the weapon's owner. Guns go around so much, though, you know? They're like a whore. Stole, stole. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah, just are. gets a hole. They are. They are. Lock, stock, and barrel, That's baby. That's what I say. Pew, pew. <laughs> Authorities <laughs> also tried to find another weapon that had been used to hit Muriel over the head, but it was never found. The killer left behind cigarette stubs, sweet wrappers, and pieces of bread. I guess that was a snack back in the day back then. Sweet wrappers. Yes. So is that like sweet tarts? No, I'm thinking sweet wrappers might be like a tobacco wrapper. That's, yeah, that seems logical. It is likely they had been waiting a while for Muriel to walk by. It's so hard to keep saying her name. Muriel, Muriel, Muriel. 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 Yeah, say it like Muriel. 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 <laughs> Muriel, get in here. Every house and cottage within 150 square miles of the crime scene was visited, and over 20,000 men were interviewed. That's a lot of men. Yep. It's a rain of men. Oh, I thought we were going to join in and do a duet. I was waiting on you. No, I mean, it's supposed to be... Hallelujah. <laughs> your your <Yeah>. face. <laughs> Hoyle was the last person to see Muriel. <laughs> what? <laughs> Muriel alive. He was taken to the police station and asked to identify suspects. It is possible that Hoyle's briefly met Muriel's killer. Weeks before the crime, the young boy was walking down the path when he came across a man in his 30s. This was unusual as Hoyles had never seen anyone else on that path except for Muriel. 
Who in cares? all the years he had been traveling to the farm, except once he saw a little gray wolf. There's your wolf. Thank you. His name was Swiper, the fox wolf. The man had a local accent and was smartly dressed. He came from out of the bushes. So Out of the bushes. So Out of the bushes. You get it? Out so of the he bushes. Could, so he could yeah. have been. Oh, oh hey. <laughs> out of the bushes. <laughs> so he couldn't have been her killer, right? Why? Could have been. Why well, couldn't because, he? could have come back. Well, well, no. What I'm saying is because she was raped. And he came out of the bushes. Right. But then he needed something cleaner. <laughs> I was say, you, you get it. And right? Yeah. And he okay, asked Hoyles you. what he was doing. The boy told him he was on his way home from buying eggs from for his mother. And the man agitatedly told him to get going. This mysterious man was never seen again. So was it a man? Was it a wolf? Who knows? I don't know. Authorities released a description of the man they were looking for. A 30-year-old with thick, fluffy hair and wearing brown corduroy trousers and a light brown sports jacket. You know, your typical rape attire. Sure. The case eventually went cold and was reopened in 2003. It was handed over to Paul Bethel, a retired detective, chief inspector of South Wales Police. Bethel runs a group of former police officers investigating cold cases. Due to technological advancements, Bethel hoped to find usable evidence on the gun. However, it had been handled by so many people, kind of like Mm-hmm. That all possible evidence was compromised, kind of like a whore. Ain't that the truth? Not shaming whores and sluts. But if the but shoe I am, fits, but I am. If Cinderella's shoe fit, yes, then she put that bitch on and was like, "I'm a rich bitch now." <laughs> <laughs> the clothes Muriel had been using, when, and I was like, "I'm a rich." Bitch. <laughs> I know that you cocked her freaking leg up. Don't nobody need to sweat no. that. The clothes Muriel, it's okay, that smells from between my legs, not my foot. Yeah, that's what what I was referring to. Just kidding. But I'm not, but I am. The clothes Muriel had been using when she was killed were also re-examined. On the back of her coat, a dried semen stain had been circled with a chinograph pencil at the time. Pretty much, wouldn't it already be kind of whitish, so you wouldn't really have to circle it. You'd be like, oh, that's a comb stain, definitely. Yeah, but it could also be like... A comb stain. I don't. I mean, I don't know what else is white on pants besides comb stain. That's funny, because there's been times that you've had Shit. something white on your pants. I'm like, Drew, did you that's have... not what I meant. Did you have a little too much fun in those pants? And oh, you're like, oh, no, that's not what it is. It's, I don't... it's something else. So I'm glad you just said that. Going on with the story, though. It is believed to be... <laughs> The oldest piece of crime scene evidence in the world. So, it is believed to be the oldest cum stain on a piece of evidence in the world. Wasn't that cool? Guinness Book, right there. Mm-hmm. In 2008, familial DNA was extracted from the stain, allowing modern scientists to test it against the male heirs of the roughly 50 suspects who were questioned during the original investigation. Ooh. 
So I guess everybody had to give a little juice. Yeah, I know. Everybody had to do it. The DNA off. extracted in 2008 has not been positively matched to anyone, however. It has ruled out a few suspects. Harold Jones, who killed two children when he was 15, was considered one of the main suspects. In 1921, the body of eight-year-old Frida Burnell was found in an alleyway, and that's him, after her father sent her to a store to purchase poultry spice. Oh, no. Authorities found the girl's handkerchief in the store shed, and Jones, who worked there, was arrested. However, and he looks like a little dork. Oh, that's the 15-year-old? Yeah. He looks younger, don't he? He looks like a little peewee. Yeah. However, locals were certain that he was being framed and began a campaign to have him released. Sure enough, he was soon freed due to lack of evidence. Locals threw him a party, parading him around town and gifting him a gold watch, which he sold to buy a new pair of pants that did not have a cum stain on it. Wasn't that nice? Fifteen days later, Jones slit 11-year-old Florence Little's throat. So, super-duper job, town folk. Out. Yeah. He had lured the girl to his home, and her body was found in the attic. Jones pleaded guilty and was sent to Usk Prison. Usk. 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 While there, he told authorities he never wanted to lose the desire to kill and rape. Wow. That's words of wisdom. Upon his release 20 years later, 35-year-old Jones joined the armed forces. His services ended in February of 1946, just four months before Muriel's murder. It is believed that he was living with his parents at the time of Muriel's murder Murder. in Abertillery, only an hour (laughs) away from Tyler. (laughs) Do farm. Jones has also been accused of being Jack the Ripper while he was living in London under the name Harry Stevens. I doubt that. The convicted child murderer might have had a child at one point. The DNA extracted from the stain did not match his supposed daughters, so he was cleared by police, and he died of cancer in 1971. Could have been your stain. Could have been not that long ago. This could be a video game. Could be. And you're just reliving it. Welsh (laughs) true crime writer Neil Milkins and criminologist David Wilson are two firm believers that Jones killed Muriel. Hoyles was also officially ruled out as the killer. Though he lived in the same town his whole life and police had not considered him a suspect, some locals were suspicious of him. With the exception to the police and his wife, Hoyles never spoke of the incident. In 2010, the South Wales police announced that the files on Muriel's murder were no longer accessible to the public, including the Freedom of Information Act. They believed it will further their chances of resolving the case if the files are private. Moreover, the files of 11-year-old Sheila Martin's murder were also closed from public access, This was the first time that Muriel and Sheila's murder were linked by the authorities. By the authority! Though it had been suggested by some people. Sheila was raped and strangled to death with her hairband. How the hell does that That happen? That was a very large hairband. How does that happen? On July the 7th of 1946, about a half mile from her home, 
her murder merely 10 days after Muriel's and 200 miles away in Falcom Green has obvious similarities. It is still unknown if the cases are actually connected. Muriel's funeral took place at St. David's Church on July the 2nd. Over 3,000 people attended. Muriel's murder deeply affected her family, of course. Her parents, who had been avid churchgoers, never attended church again. They moved to Cheshire, England, where John worked on the railways. Muriel's parents and sisters have all passed away. However, her niece Margaret is still hoping that the case will be solved. The case, which, like I said, is dubbed the Little Red Riding Hood Hood murder. Little Red Riding Hood murder has yet to be solved 73 years later. Isn't it funny how you can kill somebody with anything? You can't kill me with that piece of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about the... Um... Um, how the hell do you kill somebody with a hairband? I don't know what kind of hairband they were using. A hair using. tie? Like a hair, okay, obviously hair back in you the 40s. You can't even stretch that that far. I know. Stretch that that far. You're so nasty. Oh, I know what I think it was. It was one of those big, those... Like a ribbon. Like those round ones things? No, I like think that. it was... No, this is in the 40s now. I think it was probably a ribbon that they tied in the hair. And then they got it and just like that that's a lot of work well it's all a lot of work why not just use your hands though if you're gonna do that because that would be dirty or a bottle like they have social distancing bro whatever if you're strangling somebody that's pretty close so that is my little red riding hood murder and we'll be back right in a second literally Woo, that was a quite a break. I know, we're sorry to keep you waiting there. I don't even think they can tell that there's even a second break. There's not. Oh. There's legit not Nothing. even, because you stopped it I and know, you exactly I'm played it. I'm, I'm not stupid. So now there's like .25 of a lag. milliseconds. See? And we're sorry for you having to wait that. Exactly, we are very sorry for that. Um... So, do you want me to just get on into it? That'd be great. Your story was pretty good. Stop. That's good. Okay, because, well, it's half of the what mine is. I'm not going through what it was last time. Oh, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even know that you were still recording. Yeah. I thought you had paused it. No. (laughs) Okay, he moved the mic closer so that I could be louder. All right, I'm going to be talking about Mark Winger. Donna Brown Winger, she was born 11-10-1963. So what you're saying November is November, 10th. yeah. I don't, I'm November. not going to tell them dates there. She was born to Sarah Jane Dretcher and Cash Brown in Hollywood, Florida. Florida in Hollywood, Florida. Yeah, not Hollywood, California. But Mark Winger, yeah. He was born November 26, 1962. Was born to Jared and Sally Winger 
in Elleria, Ohio. Elleria. I don't know. Mark and Donna wed in 1988 and settled down in their home at 2305 Westview Drive, Springfield, Illinois. Springfield. There's also a lot of Springfields. I've also well, there's noticed two that. at least. There's tons of Norways. Nieces, not so much. <laughs> Swansea, yes. Um. Uh, yeah, that's all I can think Sweden. of. Denmark and Sweden. We also have a Sweden. We have an Ericsson Sweden. We have a Sweden. Mark. I, I mean, there's nothing there. There's not even a... No, there's nothing there's there. There's not even a four-way. It's legit a few miles. And no, it isn't it. a few miles. It's like one mile. Are you serious? Yeah. It's what? just that little crossing right Are there. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's sad. Mark, a nuclear engineer, and Donna, an operating room technician appeared to have it all. Yeah. Looking in, they were a happy couple and they were commended and were commended members of the community. Friends labeled them as the perfect couple. The wingers wanted to begin a family. Oh, they were like Barbie and Ken. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, if this looks like Ken, then no one wants to be Ken. Holy shit, never mind. Never mind. (laughs) Never mind. They are not. They are like Frankenstein. Yeah. Issues arose, and it was discovered that Donna could not bear a child. Oh. How sad. As a result, in June 1995, they adopted their daughter, Bailey Elizabeth Winger. And that's good. Yeah. Save a child. Life was becoming complete for the couple. Donna's frequented visits over the years with her family still residing in Florida. Donna's frequented. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was making sure that you got that. Yeah, I got it. I was making sure. Not too much flies Half over t- this head of mine. <laughs> okay, I okay. got a big head. You know what I mean. Yeah, you got a big oh, ass head. big head. <laughs> August 1995, Donna visited Florida with Bailey for a week with her um, plane landing at St. Louis Lambert International Airport on August 23, 1995. Donna had arranged for a shuttle home. Bailey and she would spend the hour and a half ride home with her driver, Roger Harrington. I like that last name, Harrington. Sounds all fancy. Harrington. Harrington. How <sighs> was with Mr. Harrington doing Harrington things? Well, around here, a Harrington, first off, not known, and if there is, there it's no probably the worst and, crackhead out there. Yeah. There's herring, though. <laughs> herring fish, that's really good bait. Yeah, yeah, it is. The ride home became... A ton of herring would be even better. Herring ton, ton of herring. <laughs> yeah, just... That's a dad Keep joke. it to yourself. Yeah, that was very much a dad joke. This if you r- smell something, I did not pass gas. Why would you say that? Because that means that you did. No, because I just said I didn't. Okay, then You're why would I smell part. anything? You're then? Why part. would I smell anything? I knew you loved the way they smell. Bro, why would I smell anything if you did? <laughs> Never mind. I'm just saying if. This ride became unsettling for Mrs. Winger. Upon arriving home, Donna sat down to document her uncomfortable trip home from the airport. During the drive, Roger disclosed that he often speaks to godlike spirits named Dom while he drives. He speaks to God. God Godlike spirits named Named Dom. Damn. 
<laughs> All righty. It's just, and that's the bearded dude. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Might just be crumbs in his beard. Wait. Wait a second. No, it's not the bearded dude. I'm mistaken. Oh. It's the it's the driver. The driver, Harrington. That was coming home, yeah. Harrington drove in at erratic speeds and spoke of experiencing out-of-body moments and visions of homicides. I'd be like, excuse me, I'll just catch the next taxi. <laughs> in an interview, Mark stated he said things about killing people, oh. setting car bombs and mutilating people. He's not very much. He's not stable, is he? He's not the most social person. I'm going out on a limb, but I'm thinking that maybe he has some mental issues. I Am I maybe does. right? I don't I'm, know. I'm going out on a limb. I don't know. Okay, the limb's a little shaky. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uneasy with the situation, Mark filed a complaint with the shuttle van company. He was irate over the situation. Ultimately, the manager placed Roger Harrington on a suspension. <clears throat> Yeah, that's the great thing to do. Then he's going to blow up a car or something. Exactly. Is he? No. Oh. August 29th, 1995. Mark was exercising on the treadmill yeah. in his basement. We don't have a basement, though. No. When he heard a noise. Boom, boom. I don't, I don't know what somebody kind of farting. noise. He probably farted. When he heard a noise. Boom. Oh, did he fall off the treadmill? <laughs> I hope he had the little cutoff switch on. <laughs> Because if not, it's going to keep rubbing him. I know. That would suck ass. It would. It'd it burn his ass off. No, it would burn his nose, though. That's true. Who needs a nose? The noses are overrated. Overrated? <laughs> <laughs> That's if you have a big nose. Yeah. It's underrated if you have a small nose. It's perfection if you have a normal nose. Anywho. All right. Okay, that... <laughs> Those are words of um, wisdom. Why do well, we have all not the really main wisdom. light? Those are because I cut on that. One. Those are interesting facts from Stanley. Facts from Stan. <laughs> you don't have to start that new segment. This is facts from. Stan. It's not a very good one. <laughs> oh, I've got a lot more where that came from. A loud crashing thump. Boom. Thoughts frantically running through his mind. Did Donna fall or drop the baby? Mark rushed upstairs and ran to the master bedroom, checking on Bailey. Verifying if the baby made safe. that loud of a noise, then you got. She might have been a fat baby. I was about to you say. You don't know that. I was about to, that's what I was gonna say. Excuse me. Ain't nothing wrong with an obese baby. Yes, there is. It's not healthy. <laughs> Just too much milk. Oh, that's so nasty sounding. Verifying she is safe. Mark heard an additional fear filed sounds. Fear filled. Why the fuck would I say filed? It's not spelled F I L E D. Because you were thinking of pedophile, maybe? Yeah, I was. Fear filled sounds. Grabbing his pistol, he ran down the hallway (laughs) and encountered a horrific act in progress. Donna was lying. On the floor, motionless, a man was standing over her, yielding a claw hammer. The man... Shut up. That was pretty good. You have to admit, I grabbed my pistol and ran. <laughs> you dumbass. A man was standing over her, yielding a claw hammer. The man used the hammer and thrashed it over Donna's head, over and over. Mark aimed at the man and squeezed the trigger. Oh! 
The bullet <laughs> ripped through the intruder. Intruder. <laughs> Still mobile, the intruder stood up and faced Mr. Winger. At this time, Mark aimed and shot the man in the forehead, dropping him to the ground immediately. Mark Winger, staring at his wife's motionless body, hurriedly called 911. Let me guess, this was, um, I bet you I know who this was. What? <laughs> what the hell are I you talking you about? I bet you it was Harrington. <sighs> Jesus Christ, have you not been listening? It was Jesus? Have you not been listening? What do you mean, it was Harrington? I bet you that was the shooter. Or the claw hammer dude. This was not Winger and his wife? Yes. Okay, so I bet you Harrington is okay. the perpetrator. Yeah, I'm not telling you. After placing the call, rushing to Donna's, I thought I already oh said a God, name. Oh my God! No, you didn't. I'm confusing you. Okay. <laughs> rushing to Donna's aid, he heard the man making slight moans. <laughs> Enraged at his wife's brutal attacker, Mark grabbed the hammer and slammed it into the intruder's chest multiple times to shut him up. As police and paramedics arrived, both Donna and the intruder were motionless and clinging to life. Responding officer Dave Beringer quickly processed the initial scene and information available at hand while paramedics proceeded to tend to the two victims. Officer Beringer, knowing that the two would be taken by ambulance, quickly located this Polaroid camera to secure body location photographs. In a matter of minutes, Donna and the intruder were headed to the hospital in the ambulance. And that's it. I'm just playing. I, well, I was about to say, <laughs> what the hell, <laughs> The scene being secured by Springfield Police Department. Not this If they're anywhere like around here. It's not secured too good. It's they secured just, with duct tape. They just wouldn't have showed up. It's secured with duct tape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark began to disclose a statement at the occurrence of the occurrence. Arriving on the scene was homicide detective Charlie Cox. Are you kidding me? His name is Charlie Cox? Yeah. My Cox name is Charlie, Charlie Cox. That's not that bad of a name. No, but it's cool. But you, I'd be like, my name is Cox. Charlie Cox. <laughs> okay. Cox knew from... Okay, I'm just going to have to say Charlie. Cause no, say Cox. That's fine. Really cool. Cox knew from the looks of the victims that survival was virtually non-existent. Mark was moved to the master bedroom for his interview with police. With detective, police chief Cox. Detective in the bedroom police chief on the Cox. bed. It's Detective Cox. Thank detective you. Detective Cox. In possession of the intruder's wallet, removed his identification card and proceeded towards the master bedroom. I just see a lot of Cox walking on their balls. With a detective investigator, a little magnifying glass, and be like, my name is Cox. Bro, are you serious? Okay. Well, that is what I was seeing. Yes, the balls were like their legs. Short little stubby legs. And then you see a cyclops. No, actually, actually the the slit is their mouth. That's what they're talking out of. Mm -hmm. Hello, my name is Cox. Okay, let's keep on moving. Mark was visibly shaken. When questioned on the hammer, he stated it was his. Donna had left the hammer out as a reminder for her husband to hang a hat rack. Mark Cox is the intruder's name 
Roger. Asked Co- Mark asked Cock, is the intruder's name Roger? Yeah. <laughs> I got fumbled. Excuse me. The accused intruder, Mark Shot, has been identified as shuttle driver Roger Harrington. The, na- the same Roger Harrington that provided Donna with the uneasy ride home from St. Louis. Shit. I never get Missouri, maybe? M-O? Missouri. Is that Missouri? I think so. I hope so. You've been saying Missouri. Mm. Questions began to unfold about the relationship between the parties. Mr. Winger disclosed to the police the recent events and alleged harassment from Harrington towards Donna. Arriving on the scene, Cox's partner, Detective Doug Williamson. Or if it was Doug Vagina, it would have been so funny. Are y'all a couple? No, we're partners, Cox and Vagina. Thank you. Okay. Nothing? No. Detective Doug Williamson began to console and calm Mark who was sure he was going to be charged for shooting the intruder. This was far from the truth. Detectives explained their process to Mark. He was cleared from the incident and seen as a victim, not a criminal. Mark Ringer came to the rescue of his wife while she was being brutally attacked. At the hospital, both Donna and Roger succumbed to their injuries. Roger Harrington would be listed as the guilty party for Donna Winger's murder, and Mark Winger's actions to eliminate Roger Harrington were listed as a justified homicide due to self-defense. You get that? Okay. Roger's actions were validated by his history of psychiatric treatment and a note found in his truck stating Mark Winger, 2305 Westview Drive, Springfield, 430. That's a little suspicious. Mine was 420. Bringing premeditation to the table after his suspension due to Mark's complaint. Suspension? What did he get suspended for? For real, I missed that part. <sighs> Roger Harrington. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, yeah, got suspended because of his weird-ass ride. Yes. Yes. Donald Winger's parents were devastated by the news of the incident. Sarah, Donner's mother, Donna's mother, and Ira, stepfather. What kind of name is Ira for a damn stepfather? What? What is wrong with that? That's not a male name enough for you? No, it's not. (laughs) That's a manly name. Ira. It's called Ira. Ira. Ira, fuck you up if you don't shut the hell up. (laughs) (laughs) Hurry to the side of their grieving son-in-law. The family was in a horror story. Not really. The community throughout Springfield came to the aid of the father suffering from the tragic murder of his wife, Bailey's mother. Harrington's family... We're not buying the story. Called it bullshit. Knowing her brother better than any, Barbara Howe stated to detectives that Roger was not um, physically capable of the act she pleaded. She begged only to receive rude and estranged remarks back from detectives. 
Quit doing that bullshit, dude. Come on, bro. What are you talking about? Because you're That's doing dirty. this fucking dumbass face like a retard. That's how I look. <laughs> oh my God. Do n- wow. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Wow. Sorry, I will cover my face. At one point, Cox told Barbara, Ma'am, anytime you want to know how your kid brother walked into that home, snapped and killed that woman, come by my office anytime, and I'll show you step by step. That's what Cox said. Yeah, to the woman being an asshole about it, really. However, Barbara Howell wasn't alone in her doubts. Although Detective Cox was certain of Mark's statement of offense, Detective Williamson had his own reasonable doubt. One thing repeated bothered Doug. The note found in Harrington's vehicle. I knew it. I knew it. The note showing a pre-planned appointment at the home. Roger showing up to the home without a weapon? Yeah. yeah. Something didn't no, add up. No, I don't up. think so. Well, being turned down by the chief of police, the investigation was closed with the evidence and statement of Mark Winger at hand. Case closed, right? That's why you think with your Williamson and not your Cox. Mark Winger would soon hire a nanny to aid in caring for Bailey. They soon fell in love and Mark wed the nanny, Rebecca. How old was she? Young, I bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rebecca eventually adopted Bailey, and the new Wingers had two additional children. Mark Winger's life was finding normality again. Until almost four years later, when a witness abruptly came forward. A what? A witness. <laughs> my mouth is getting dry. Did you say witness? Because my mouth is getting dry. The former Donna Winger's best friend, Deanne Schultz. These a are secret. some just weird names. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of yeah. names. A secret that she had harbored inside for over three years was destroying her. She had to let it out to police. Deanne and Mark were having an affair at the time of Donna's death. During her statement to detectives, Deanne stated that Mark wanted out of his marriage so badly he had talked about killing Donna. Mm. And at one point, Winger suggested that Schultz aided in a murder plot against Donna. Alongside this new information, Detective Cox was beginning to feel suspicion towards Mark's. Uh, I wonder why. A little late to the party there, Cox. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very late. Months after the deaths... Mr. Winger arrived at the police station to take his pistol back in possession, but this in itself wasn't too suspicious and was a harmless act. It was the statement made by Marks to Cox that aired a red flag. Marks asked um, the detective how was the case going. Detective Cox found this strange because as far as he was concerned, it would have just been accepted as closed from an intrusive murder followed by a justified homicide. Mark will later deny in court, but Cox stated that he stopped by the station at a later date with the same conversational occurrence. With Schultz's statement and the odd behavior of Mark's at the station, Detective Williamson was granted his wish. The investigation was formally reopened. Dusting off the old case files, Cox and Williamson got to work. 
Suddenly in front of their faces were the three photographs that Officer Barrington took immediately at the scene, clearly showing the body placement after the incident. Cox would later state the photographs were examined prior to to his lack of knowledge of their existence. Seconds into the examination of Polaroid's Mark Winger story didn't ring true. Williamson called it a smoking gun. Pow! Pew pew! Pew pew! Seconds into the... um. Shit. <laughs> I lost my thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> Roger Harrington's body was laying 160 degrees opposite of what Mark described in the initial statement. Come on. Yeah, it might have been laying 180 degrees opposite of what he described, but I'm pretty sure that's not... I just don't... Th- what, what are your thoughts? You know what? Go suck a dick. Because you won't... Like, say something. Oh, my God. Every time I've said something, you fucked me off with your finger. No. The yeah. The only reason I did whatever. that because you always and this do is these like, stupid faces. Oh, my God. No, that's like, not the only but, reason. Uh, and I'm actually trying to learn something as you're reading. Well, anyways, it had now become clear to the investigators that they had failed the justice system years earlier. All hands were now on deck, and the truth was starting to make sense. August 23, 1995, Donna Winger had an unsettling ride home with Roger Harrington. This was Mark's time to act. He began planning his homicidal plot. He would frame Roger. The note in Harrington's vehicle gave the detectives proof of the premeditated meeting. At the trial, Ray Duffy, owner of the shuttle van company, said that Mark Winger just wanted to meet with Harrington to discuss the behavior and not seek professional repercussions, the 4.30 meeting. Further, the question was raised if Harrington was intended on murdering another. Why did he not come to the residence with his own weapon? Instead, he seemingly used the winger's hammer. The state used Tom Bevel as their blood spatter analysis specialist, and Bevel concluded with the bloodstains at the scene. It appeared Roger was lying face down as he was initially shot (laughs) in the rear top of the head. The next blood pool was consistent with Harrington being flipped over onto his back before the final gunshot to his forehead. Bevel next noted that Donna's clothing did not show any signs of blood spatter. Consistent with Roger Harrington being shot as he stood atop of her. The professional professional identified spots of Donna's blood on Mark's clothing, consistent with Mark yielding the hammer. Roger Harrington's clothing did not show a trace of Donna's blood. Terry labored the defense forensic science expert. I testified the spatter was consistent with Harrington's yielding the hammer. The DNA testing of the blood caused his statement to lack integrity. Dan Schultz testified the affair was detailed as she also brought forth that Mark Winger on August 28, 1995, stated he needed to get the shuttle bus driver in his house. 
the day of the incident, Winger asked Schultz if she would. Do we have this whole, every word of his no, testimony? No, no, it's not. Okay, because it's pretty long. If she would love him no matter what. Well, after 13 hours of deliberations, jurors returned with an answer. Mark Winger was found guilty of murdering Donna Winger and Roger Harrington. August 2002, Winger was sentenced to his natural life in prison without the possibility of parole. Mark Winger has never told his side of the story different from his first statement. Now, this is something else. Winger was not done. Three years later into his life sentence, an inmate at Pontiac Correctional Facility in Pontiac, Illinois, came forward with Mark's new plot. Mark Winger was planning the murders for hire of Deanne Schultz and his former father-in-law, Ira Drescher. Mm. This plot was so intricate and diabolical that it took the inmate 19 pages to write and countless hours of Jesus Christ, and he... Mm. To kill the other two people, yeah. you know. Of secretly taping conversations to outline the entirety. Mark Winger, currently serving a life sentence, was indicted on two counts of soliciting murder for hire. June 2007, Winger took trial for the charges. A jury in Pontiac, Illinois, found guilty after only three hours of deliberation. and An additional 35 years, sentence was added to Mark's life in prison. So in case if he has an unnatural life, I don't know. he'll have 35 years. Yeah. So that's it. That, that was the story. That was my story. I knew he was dirty. He was a dirty bastard. Whenever you whenever you started, and I was like, oh, yeah, he was dirty. It's not what it seems. That's kind of like a... Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I know that's talking like a motherfucker. <laughs> Here. Um, oh, it sounds <laughs> like a fucking asshole. No, it doesn't. That was kind of like a forensic file episode. Kinda. 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 A little bit. Go suck a toad. You okay, know I'll go look for one. But listen. <laughs> y'all be safe. Yes, please be healthy. Be safe. Go visit boondockspod.com. Go visit... Facebook and you just look up Band the Boondocks and start a damn discussion during this boring time. Hey look, I'm a pilgrimfish. A what? <laughs> a what? Hey look, I'm a puckerfish. Puckerfish? <laughs> what is a puckerfish? It looks like this. Your spit. <laughs> There's a spit bubble. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And go visit um and it kind of feels Instagram. Like Ain't that what you do? Yeah, go f- go find that Instagram. Just look up Bad in the Boondocks, press that follow button. And y'all, we love you. And I kind of feel like I'm kind of coming down with yeah, it. Yeah, I do. Think I'm feeling him kind of, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of coming anyway, down Anyway, I've it. got underlying issues, so if I get it, I'll possibly die. So, whatever. No, you but won't. Because you're him. a freaking weirdo, and your body's like a... Something like a champ. I don't know. It anyway, we do love itself. y'all. We're thinking of y'all. We might have a special episode for y'all in the next in this week. You know, it's according to how things go. Yeah. But y'all keep it going. Yeah. And don't and get that Rona. Don't be drinking that um, Corona. Corona beer. That's cheap at beer. Nasty anyway. Mm-hmm. Tastes like pee pee. Not. I know what pee pee tastes <laughs> like. Pee pee. Okay. Well, we have enjoyed. Uh, 
on being here and listening to us. Really? Because you've really flipped me off a lot of times. Only because. Okay, well, I've been staying. <laughs> and I'm always true. And we'll, we'll talk to you later. We'll see you next time, baby. How do you see him? You're really a superhero. <laughs>